0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Standard Podcast. In today's podcast, we're going to be discussing the bankruptcy of FTX. FTX was considered one of the biggest exchanges in the world, and its CEO and founder was widely considered a genius for his success. Last week, the entire thing came crumbling down with massive reverberations across the digital currency industry and a lot of attention from the wider world. We go over the events that led to this collapse and what the likely implications will be and what Bitcoiners should do to protect themselves. Lots happening this week, pretty eventful week in Bitcoin world, quite uh, striking. Seeing a lot of people saying this is the worst day they've ever experienced in crypto. And I think, uh, yeah, the nature is healing. A lot of people who had uh, not experienced a lot of bad days in crypto Um are getting the taste of uh, you know what it what it feels like to be invested in uh, stupid scams. It's uh, it's really interesting. A couple of weeks ago we were discussing this here, and yeah, I think it's very interesting. He's uh, he's definitely got the CEO of FTX, um, Sam Bankman Fried. Fried, definitely a very interesting character, um, and I think a lot of suspicions were there even before the solvency stuff became clear. Um, The whole thing looked really shady. And I still go back to the point that I kept making, which is that it doesn't make sense that he showed up out of nowhere and then was uh, foisted as the crypto king because... He became crypto king before anybody had ever made a meme about him on the internet. This is, I think the key thing, you know, if you think about all the other major exchange CEOs, Arthur Hayes, Max, Strong at Coinbase bracket what's going on, there's so many of them, all of these, all of these people were, um, you know, they became well known and their exchanges were well known. And, And people were using their exchange, um, having a crappy uh, customer service feedback to post on the internet and complain about their service before these people became uh, household names in the industry, before they became crypto kings, um, as the press likes to call it. But this guy, he came from the outside. I remember the first time that I heard of him, and I think I mentioned this last time, the first time I heard of him, somebody had emailed me from some magazine saying um this um, you know we'd like to talk to you about uh, the rise of this guy and i was like who and they were talking about him as if you know he is the most important authority and most important uh, person and most important player in the entire crypto space and that i should obviously know who he is and that you know as somebody who's um, writing books and getting airtime in the bitcoin space i clearly know who he is you know in the same way that uh I would be expected to know any major figure in the industry, like he's Satoshi or something. And I remember having to Google him to find out who he was and then finding all these press articles about all the money he made. And I thought, ah, that's interesting. But then I remember many people shared that. I think this is this is what I noticed when the red flags happened. Like for me initially, it was like, wow, you know, shitcoin world is so big that somebody can make it into billions in shitcoins. And I'd never heard them. Then I noticed more and more people sharing the same experience, which is, where did this guy come from? And there's very little evidence that uh, he was around. And in fact, I don't know, the entire story is still very shady. So I still don't know what is going on. Um, I still don't really believe all of the, uh, you know, I I don't know what to believe, but there's clearly a problem. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think... I guess the simplest explanation is that he's just been running a ponzi scheme and uh you know he exaggerated initially his own fortune he exaggerated the amount of money that he made trading and he bought some media to portray him as some kind of genius who made a lot of money and if you remember last time we said none none of that uh, stuff makes sense his uh previous story so initially the idea was that he worked for jane street and then he left jane street and then he worked on the um korean uh, exchange premium because bitcoin was more expensive in korea because you couldn't get fiat out of korea because of capital controls and so he was buying bitcoin uh, in the us and all over the world and sending it to korea and selling it in korea and made his money through that and then he did an arbitrage trade i think also in japan but I know people who were into that. It was very difficult to get money out of Korea. There's no way that he was doing that. There's no way that he made billions doing that. And A lot of Koreans, a lot of Korean firms send more money in and out, and they can take advantage of that arbitrage opportunity much better than some guy, um, uh, some random person. I know people who worked at Jane Street who told me, you know, they made money from that because they're a big bank, and they have an enormous amount of liquidity in Korea and outside of Korea, and they can... Move money around much more easily than uh, random plebs, so the idea that he 'd make so much money from that I think makes no sense also it 's not like it was this um, incredible market opportunity that only he, because of his genius, managed to find out everybody knew that that opportunity was there, but it was just very difficult to take advantage of it for everybody so i'm i 'm not sold on that and then i then the second thing remember the the b cash idea that he was uh, 2017, 18, he got into Bitcoin and he was really fascinated by Bcash. Now, if he got in 2017, 2018, that was the peak of the bubble, and then 2018 was all downward bear market. And so, and it was brutal bear market for Bitcoin. It was even more brutal for Bcash. Bcash just got completely destroyed. There is no way that you are bullish Bcash in 2018, and you come out of 2020 extremely rich it just doesn't work that way um you have to have gotten wrecked so none of that makes sense but then i don't know he managed to get investors and i think the the thing that really is the biggest red flag here is even if he did make all of his money that does not translate to being able to run an exchange and that running an exchange is a completely different thing from being a good trader i mean it helps to run an exchange if you're a good trader and if you can hire good, good traders but Running an exchange is about a lot more than just being able to trade. It's about uh, being able to, you know, deal with customers and run a platform. It's an entirely different value proposition from just being a good trader. So Alameda Research is his trading arm. I get that they might make money. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they did make a lot of money in Korea and Japan. Maybe they did make a lot of good trades in 2018 and 19. It's plausible. You know, maybe he wasn't really long, uh, big cash leverage. He was doing um, spot trading and short-term deals, and that worked out well for him. But that doesn't mean you can take that and then uh, go start an exchange at a valuation of like $30 billion. Within Before they had customers, before anybody had any kind of um, user experience with them, they were already being valued at $30 billion. Before anybody on Bitcoin Twitter or crypto Twitter even had posted a meme about him, they were already being valued at several billion dollars. And that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> just last week, the whole thing begins to unravel that I made about this, which um, followed this thing as it unraveled from the beginning to the end. initially started off with Coinbase publishing an article saying Alameda Research's assets they've borrowed against uh, are primarily made up of the FTX token. And a small little uh, piece of detail that went unnoticed by most people, is that the value that they declared of the FTX token on their balance sheet was larger than the value of uh, the FTX coin in circulation in total? So the entire FTX, FTT as it is called, uh, the entire market cap of that altcoin was larger than the amount that they had on their uh, books. Which is clearly a very major red flag. Like you know, it's, it's, it's like somebody saying, "I own eight hundred billion dollars of Bitcoin." Well, there is only about uh, three hundred fifty billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. You can't own eight hundred billion of it, and uh, <laughs> that's uh, that. That was the first red flag for me, I think. But and this was November fourth. So we start from this idea that uh, Dylan had made a great thread on this. Um, He he was the one who pointed me to this. So initially he says, per CoinDesk, Alameda Research has fourteen point six billion dollars of assets against eight billion dollars of liabilities. But their assets: three point six billion of FTT, two point one six FTT collateral, three point three seven billion dollars of crypto. The syllabus for my new online economics course, Principles of Economics, is now available on SafeAdeen.com. The course will take place over 18 lectures, each based on one chapter from my new book, Principles of Economics, which will be available for free as an ebook for everyone registering for the course. Lectures will be released once every two weeks on Mondays, starting on the 25th of September, 2023, and will be available in video and audio format. Live discussion seminars will be held once a week on Thursdays at alternating time slots 12 hours apart to ensure learners can attend from all over the world. I'm happy to announce that I have set up my new publishing house and online bookstore, The Safe House, which will be publishing and delivering the best Bitcoin and Austrian economics books worldwide in hardcover, audiobook, and ebook formats. with an ice-colored dust jacket on top. Go to thesafehouse.com and get yours now. And all these stupid shitcoins, Sol, Locked Sol, and then a whole bunch of other horrible um, cram, scam coins you've never heard of, SRM, SRM, Maps, Oxy, FIDA. So these don't really make sense. But I think the most interesting tweet here, and the one that really um, brought the end for him, was that, of Alameda assets are FTT. The FTT market cap is 3.35. This kind of flew under the radar for the first day that the article was published, uh, November 2nd. And then two days later, when I published this thread, and then a few hours after I published this thread, I saw another article that had picked up on this. I said, hang on a second. How are these guys considering this collateral? So then the events that transpired were pretty... um, Eye-opening, initially. So I try to find out what it was. Dylan was explaining that uh, some sources in the CoinDesk article also give me a high level of confidence in the fact that they've collateralized the FTT tokens to borrow. What could go wrong? So they're using the FTT token that they issued to borrow. In other words, Alameda and FTX are owned by the same people. FTX issues the token. Alameda buys the token and then by buying the token it pumps the price up and then it holds it on its balance sheet and then it borrows against it the The really interesting question is who is the genius who would lend them out there who are their creditors that's the fascinating thing why would you lend somebody money for something that they did something that they basically print it's 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 insane. It would be like somebody lending you money for your signature because, you, as your assets, you have papers that have your signatures. Well, you can make infinite amounts of your signatures. Dan McArdle responded saying, Well, with many odds, the max number of coins that will ever exist gets set at Genesis, but only some percent of that actually gets released in the market. The unreleased part may be earmarked already for certain parties who may or may not count it on their balance sheet. And this turned out to be the correct answer. So they were counting the FTT that was not part of circulating supply that's not out there to buy or sell that doesn't even exist effectively it's it's going to be produced at some point it hasn't been produced nobody owns it nobody paid a dime for it so they just uh, hold it even though it hasn't they haven't paid for it but they still market on their balance sheet as if it is an asset and that's how they do it so then um, dylan confirmed yeah they are but with a 50 percent haircut the problem is even if they were circulating supply today there's no real buy side liquidity the buy to the mark to market rate is an illusion. So, yeah, so they counted these at half the price. But of course, that's ridiculous because if you sold these on the price, on the market, then you would tank the price because the amount that they had was almost as big as the amount that is in circulation. So, you double the supply, you're going to bring down the price significantly, not just by half. It's going to dump the price and then nobody's going to want to buy it when it's dumping. So, you can't just hold the tokens and count them like that. But apparently people were doing that. So essentially, and why would anybody want to hold this token? The idea is that if you have this token, then you'll get discounted trading fees and referral fees. So here we are, we're getting the idea that basically if FTX users need to buy $3 billion of FTT to get discounted trading fees and referral fees, then Alameda's balance sheet would be okay. Then this article came about, is Alameda Research Insolvent. And that really was the one that um, blew things up. And uh, interestingly enough, I heard somewhere that um, CZ, the CEO of Binance, liked a tweet that posted this article. Not sure whose tweet, but he liked the tweet that posted this article. And that seems to have been the end. And the basic idea here from this article from a place called Dirty Bubble Media as well first of all this is a good way of explaining explaining how this effect worked and this is from Celsius so you create the token and you pump the token price you mark gains to the balance sheet so you know you've hold, you're holding the token you sell it on the market and you buy it from yourself or you have your friends buy it at a high price or you have your you know your research arm buy it and then you mark the gains to the balance sheet this shows the gains to the investors so now your balance sheet has a lot of this token that you yourself created and sold for a big price And then because you have all these tokens, you raise cash through equity sales or loans. You show it to investors or lenders and you tell them, look, I have $5 million, $5 billion worth of my shitcoin. Give me more money because I'm such a genius. I can make you more money. So then they give you more money, which you use to buy more of the token, which raises the price. And then your balance sheet looks even better. And then you can get more investors to give you more cash, more equity. And you pump the token price even more. So that's basically how Celsius operated and that's how all of these uh, stupid scams operate. So begin with there's FTX. there's FTT the token at that time, it was worth24 dollars each. The market cap was 3.2 billion. The fully diluted valuation was eight billion. So all the rest of the tokens that don't circulate, um, if they valued them, they'd be at around eight billion. The circulating supply was 133 the total supply is 328 million so less than a half of the supplies in circulation and more than a double is the value the value of the total coin is more than double of the value of locked up supply this is basic shitcoinomics. this is how coins operate and there's nothing really new here but the important thing here is that um this is being done at a much larger scale um They on their desk, they have five point on on their balance sheet for Alameda. They have $5.8 billion of FTT, which is 180% of the total circulating supply of the token. So, yeah, that's the equivalent of me saying I have $700 billion worth of Bitcoin. There aren't $700 billion worth of Bitcoin so and then you look at the FTT blockchain this is an interesting thing so there in my thread I joked saying if FTX is 120 users because I don't think there's anybody who uses FTT. I mean not anybody but not a lot of people use FTT I joked saying um, not a lot of people use FTX I joked about it being 120 but in fact I wasn't very far off because it turns out there's only about 180 to 200 addresses that are actively transacting on FTT tokens If you look at the number of daily active addresses, it's around 180 to 200, except for one day in which they shoot up for 10,000. Who knows what the hell was going on in that day? But it's generally 180 or 200 people that are, or 200 addresses, not even people, that are transacting. And then you look at the token holders and you see the top 10 holders collectively own 93% of the tokens. 93% is held by the 10 biggest holders. So basically, it's really just uh, Alameda FTX and a bunch of uh degenerate uh, shitcoiners that hold the uh, majority of it a bunch of exchanges and a bunch of other uh, protocols that use it and that's it basically there is no real liquid market in any of this stuff so the whole thing is a house of cards and this is really the key point like um it's you don't need to posit that they were robbing money or anything because it's just uh, they borrowed money against the money that they marked on their balance sheet as being a major um, sum of money when it's really just nothing. And here they compare to other shitcoins, and they show just how, how little that number is. And then you look at the other tokens, SRM, MAPS, and Oxy, FIDA, all of these tiny 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 market caps and the value of these tokens on the balance sheet is arguably larger than the market cap so all these things are posted on the market cap on the balance sheet of Alameda and they're borrowing enormously against it so the whole thing looks extremely fishy and that's November 4th and then we go to sleep wake up November 5 and then November 6 wake up and look what's going on a giant whale transferred $23 million of FTT, which is $530 million to Binance yesterday. After that, the price of STD began to gradually decrease. What happened? Well, it turns out, yeah, CZ tweeted that crypto is high risk. And he liked this tweet. Yeah, he liked the tweet, the article that I just posted. This one, is Alameda Research Insolvent. He liked that tweet and he posted crypto is high risk. And then the next day, half a billion dollars of ftt moves and here's the interesting thing so basically let's go back to the numbers 5.8 billion dollars of ftt on alameda's balance sheet how much left out there how much of the rest of ftt is left out there it's basically there's another half a billion held by binance that's it and so when you that you know half a billion with binance and then there's basically nothing else left um so binance is all the liquidity the only person holding it is binance and binance was an early investor in ftx and they got some of their money out of ftx in the form of that token and they were holding on to it when cz read that article and saw that well all that they have on their balance sheet is just this token Well, you know what? I don't need to be holding this token for them. I don't need to propping up to be propping up their entire business because basically, if they manage to get CZ to hold half a billion dollars worth of FTT, then their entire business is built on CZ holding that. Like the the entire house of cards is built on the foundation that CZ is holding half a billion of FTT. If CZ doesn't hold half a billion of FTT, then the rest of the demand for the token is practically zero. And so he starts posting and so then this happens CZ likes the tweet moves half a billion dollars and then we start seeing the um the price of this crashing and it begins to look like it's looking like luna and then a lot of rumors about CZ and then Binance uh, CEO CZ he goes and he posts this tweet as part of uh, Binance's exit from FTX, and due to recent revelations that came to life, we've decided to liquidate any remaining FTT on our books. And not only do they say, you know, we're just going to sell it all at once, we're going to do it in a way that minimizes market impact, which is basically minimize market impact by destroying FTT we expect this will take a few months to complete so he's telling the you know the basically few utterly insignificant other holders of this token that this token is going to get obliterated because for months i'm going to be selling uh, practically uh, 15% of the market cap that i hold of the circulating supply i'm going to be selling it and uh, basically very little that they can do about it and they did suggest that they the CEO of um, FTX told them, hey, we'll buy it all from you at $22. because and, and then it becomes clear why they're doing that. This this was the tweet that she made. Hey, if you're looking to minimize the market impact on your FTT sales, Alameda will be happily buy it all from you today at $22. Now, why would you want to buy it? If you actually valued those things, why would you go make an, uh, a high bid for something that's already on its way to crash. Like if you really wanted to buy the FTT, then let CZ sell it and let him crash the price. And then you'll buy it at $5 and $10 and much lower prices. Why would you care about maintaining it at $22? Because it's more important for them that the price continues to be marked at $22 so that they can show it on their balance sheet at $22 so that they can continue to borrow against it. So that shows... That was, I mean, it's just, it, it seems like a show of strength. Initially, you look at it, and, oh, wow, we have so much money, we can buy all of this at $22. But really, it's actually a show of weakness. You're saying that you need this to stay at $22 at all costs because you're borrowing against it. So that's con- confirming everything that uh, CZ is worried about. And so for a the day, they were holding on to the $22. And you know, basically, CZ was selling and they were pumping. But of course, an enormous amount of shorting happened. This, um, A lot of people came in and started shorting the FTT token because they guessed correctly that they're not going to be able to maintain the $22. They're eventually going to run out of other things to sell in order to keep the $22. And so the whole thing continues to crash. And then CZ was just um, rubbing salt in the wounds, basically, twisting the knife, saying, uh, yes, this is part of it. $584 $584 million transfer from unknown wallet to Binance he's saying yeah that's part of our money we're selling more and more of this and as he's saying that you know the the mark continues to uh, hold on for a while but only for about a day or something and then you know um CZ just continues uh, <laughs> twisting the knife saying we learned from Luna we're not just going to hold on to shitcoins that are in Ponzi's. And the uh, shorts keep piling in. And for a few hours it holds on, but then a few hours later, boom, FTX stops processing withdrawals. And then the FTX token collapses from about $22 all the way down to $4. That's it, they couldn't manage to keep the selling. So they were basically defending it with oh yeah and before that we saw Pierre Rochard tweeting uh about FTT saying oh uh Bitcoin is we're slow processing Bitcoin uh transactions because uh our node throughput is limited which is nonsense you don't have this idea in in Bitcoin you can just keep processing more and more but of course you know they want it to be limited so that they can quiet down withdrawals so then the price drops from 22 to 19 initially or in like a few minutes and then it drops for a little in uh intermission here I tweeted you know I'd been waiting for this uh token to break so that I could tweet this um a few months ago it was I think Sam Bankman fried said Bitcoin has no future as a payment network and of course he gets quoted in the fiat bro times Uh, the FTE and love to quote anything dumb being said about Bitcoin. And uh, my comment was, you know, whom the gods would destroy first. They make talk shit about Bitcoin. This is a very common thing in the industry. People talk shit about Bitcoin. And it's, of course, always because they're trying to pump their shitcoin scam. And then it comes back to bite them in the ass. And within a few hours, boom, Um, uh, they ftx reached out to binance basically the only people big enough to buy them and tell them hey please buy us we want to bail out the customers and binance said you know we reached a provisional agreement we signed a non-binding letter of intent which is a great way of um you know getting the free option to buy something if you want and um forcing the seller's hand uh, without having to commit money but it shows how desperate ftx were because basically they, the value of their Alameda research portfolio was high because they pumped the FTT token. And it looks like um, they were using the customer funds in order to pump uh, all these stupid tokens. Um, and then of course we find out that all these big, uh, um, all these big VCs had significant uh, exposure to them. And then we saw, this is, this is essential, a few months ago, he was interviewed in July about what he's doing, what is DeFi. And this is, you know, this is the king of crypto. This is somebody, um, this is Fiat Media, uh, Matt Levine from Bloomberg. He asked him to explain what is DeFi and how does it work. So here you go.
1: And then this protocol issues a token. We'll call it whatever for X token. And X-Token promises that anything cool that happens because of this box is going to ultimately be usable by you know, governance vote of holders of the X-Tokens. They can vote on what to do with any proceeds or other cool things that happen from this box. And of course, so far, we haven't exactly given a, a compelling reason for why there ever would be any proceeds from this box. But I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe there will be. So that's sort of where you start, and now what happens? Well, X token has some market cap, right? It's it's probably not zero. Well, let's say it's you know. 20 million dollar market cap from like first principles it should be zero but okay <laughs> uh sure okay i i completely reasonable comment <laughs> like i mean i don't like that's not quite true but it's like when you describe it in this totally cynical way it sounds like it should be zero but go describe <laughs> it this way you might think for instance that in like five minutes with an internet connection you could create such a box and such a token and that it should reflect like you do. know it should be worth like 180 dollars or something market cap for like that you know that effort that you put into it in the world that we're in if you do this everyone's going to be like "Ooh, box token maybe it's cool if you buy a box token you know that's going to appear on twitter and i'll have a 20 million dollar market you know x tokens being given out each day all these like sophisticated firms are like huh that's interesting like if the total amount of money in the box is 100 million dollars then it's going to yield 16 million dollars this year in x tokens being given out for it that's a 16% return. That's pretty good. We'll put a little bit more in, right? And, and, and maybe that, that happens until there are $200 million in the box. So, you know, sophisticated traders and or people on crypto Twitter or, or other sort of similar parties go and, and put $200 million in the box collectively and they start getting these X tokens for it, right? And now all of a sudden everyone's like, wow, people just decide to put $200 million in the box. This is a pretty cool box, right? Like this, <laughs> this is a valuable box as demonstrated by all the money that people have apparently decided should be in the box. And who are we to say that they're wrong about that? Like, you know, this is, I I mean, boxes can be great. Look, I love boxes as much as the next guy, right? And and so, so what happens now, all of a sudden people are kind of recalibrating. It's like, well, $20 million, that's it. Like that market cap for this box. And it's been like 48 hours and it already is $200 million including from like sophisticated players. I I think of myself as like a fairly cynical person. And that was so much more cynical (laughs) than how I would have described farming. Like, you're just like, well, I'm in the Ponzi business and it's pretty (laughs) good. Did any of this require any sort of like economic case? It's just like, Other people put money in the box, and so I'm going to too, and then it's more valuable, so I going to put more money in. And at no point in the cycle did it seem to like describe any sort of like economic purpose. And it is sort of like real monetizable stuff in some senses, and you know, at some point, like if the world never decides that we were wrong about this in like a coordinated way, right? Like you're kind of the guy calling bullshit, saying no, this thing's actually worthless, but in what sense are you right? You could see something get market cap in the way that, I don't know, Dogecoin or, or Shibcoin have, right? Where people are just kind of like, haha, and then they buy it. And if you're like, that's dumb, it has no cash flow, I'm going to short sell it, you lose all your money.
0: It's a pretty amazing uh, description of what a Ponzi scheme is. Very accurate description of a Ponzi scheme, which is basically people putting in money because other people are putting in money. And then because more people put in money, the price goes up. And then now you have more money. And he, I mean, he's just the fact that he explains it so transparently is what leads me to suspect that maybe there isn't much that's nefarious going on behind the scene. This is just late stage fiat in this kind of stupid world. Idiots like this can end up with a shit ton of money and they can just go around. You know, you can be completely ignorant of what a Ponzi scheme is. And, uh, you know, if you're uh, sufficiently good with math, and sufficiently malnourished and uh, lacking self-awareness and also slightly on the autism spectrum, it's entirely feasible that you could just go along and do something like this without ever thinking of slowing down and... um you know, checking if somebody had ever tried something like this, that this is basically a pyramid scheme and always all pyramid schemes work in the same way. It seems that it's just, you know, this is this is how it works. Um, and, and, you know, he's not the only one who believes in staking. I think this is the key thing. So now he's being portrayed as this kind of um, evil mastermind criminal. Maybe there's, I know, and and what I was saying earlier about his story being shady might lead to that. But I think, you know, he's not the only one who thinks staking is something real. Like a lot, basically everybody in crypto Twitter, anybody who's not a Bitcoin maximalist, thinks staking is not just Ponzi's. They think staking is more than just a Ponzi, which is just insane because staking is (laughs) basically just Ponzi's. That's all that there is to it. And as i described in the next tweet, you know staking is a global service for separating morons from their money making them less dangerous to the world the, the most impressive marketing coup of the last decade was how shitcoiners eliminated the stigma around ponzi's by rebranding them as staking and in doing so launched a new glow golden age of ponzi schemes while media and regulators are still trying to figure out what's going on there's just no other way around it. It's just a Ponzi scheme. You put money into a box, as he explained, and then other people put money into the box and then the value of the box goes up. And then if nobody sells, then the value keeps going up. But eventually people are going to want to sell. And then the whole thing is going to come crashing down, of course. That's what a Ponzi scheme is. There's no business activity taking place. And this is is the infuriating thing for me about all of these idiots. Well, it's not infuriating. It's just why I don't waste time with shitcoins or trying to talk to shitcoiners or trying to entertain them because it's just so profoundly dumb. I mean, how are you making money from moving digital bits and putting them in a certain place and then thinking that that's going to provide a yield for you in some certain sense like that in the case of bitcoin this is fundamentally different you just hold your bitcoins and you know you have a certain share of a certain fixed supply of coins and that other people are buying it and that it's a liquid market worldwide and the price may fluctuate but you always have a specific number of coins that you can hold on to and that's the value proposition is that nobody can make more of those coins nobody can manipulate the supply And so it becomes a truly scarce commodity, and then it becomes a commodity that can be moved around the internet. And after 14 years of it being moved around the internet, we still haven't found anybody who's been able to um, attack it or destroy it or bring it down or increase the supply. Whereas when you're using all of these tokens, you're getting the supply manipulated, and the supply can be easily manipulated by the people behind it. And you're being offered a yield, you know, you're being told if more people come in and buy this stupid token, then you're gonna be getting a yield. You know, you're gonna be making an interest on it. Well, where is the interest coming from? And, you know, these shitcoiners use these metaphors, they call it yield farming, and then they call all of these um, things like farm products, you know, as if it's a farm and you're actually yielding it, but, and and, and it's the metaphor that (laughs) fools idiots because people then think oh you know i'm farming this uh food token and then yeah it's like food you know i'm putting this token in a farm and then if you put like if you put corn in a farm you get more corn if you put uh rice in a farm you get more rice that's what grains do and they just accepted that um, digital things can do the same thing digital things can't do the same thing why should anybody? This is the question, why should anybody pay you a yield? Because you have put your digital thing where they are putting it. And that's really the fundamental question of all DeFi, that all DeFi people can't answer. Where does the yield come from? And there's a great article um, by uh, Alan Farrington, whom we've had on this pod before and we will have again. And he's written a great article on this. Where does the yield come from? On To, to explain why this DeFi is just completely unworkable, is that ultimately all of these people are just getting their money from a place where they don't understand. You know, why is it that you gave them uh, 100 of your X token or box token or whatever it is, and next year they're going to give you 5% more? How are they going to give you 5% Uh percent more where is this yield come from if you invested the yield in say buying cows or chicken well okay the cows will make more cows and you can sell the cows and there's going to be a yield if you make chicken if you buy chicken the chicken make a yield but here there's no pretense of there being an actual business that produces a revenue as he explained it's just that if we pay people uh, interest then more people will come into this box and then the value of the box will go up so then we can pay people the interest well and the answer is if you don't know where the yield comes from comes from then you are the yield you are the yield the yield comes to you from other people like you in fact you're the one who's the yield in other words yield farming is that there are no actual farms there there's no business that's actually making any revenue you are what's being farmed. This is the key thing to understand here. And this is this is how all of this scam essentially functions in this world. And that's you know, the, the, the FTX was a prime location for all of this nonsense. Now, um, interestingly, here, when we look at Sequoia Capital, one of the biggest VCs in Silicon Valley, this is this is an article that they wrote on their published on their website. Uh, when they decided to invest in this uh, scammer, uh, he, he this guy said, I was convinced I was talking to a future trillionaire, whatever mojo he worked on the partners at Sequoia, who fell for him after one Zoom, had worked on me too. For me, it was simply a gut feeling. I've been talking to founders and doing deep dives into technology companies for decades. It's been my entire professional life as a writer. And because of that experience, there must be a pattern-matching algorithm churning away somewhere in my subconscious. I don't know how I know, I just do. SBF is a winner. (laughs) And this this is amazing. And he describes an article. And and this article was published just in September, you know, not too long ago, less than two months ago. It's selfish not to go for broke if you're planning on giving it all away in the end. Of course, the scheme here was this guy is planning on giving all his money away to charity, and he's on a mission to maximize total happiness for the future. This this article is absolutely amazing in the Sequoia website. You can check it out. In it, they describe how basically in the in in, in the interview um he told them you know I'd like to make FTX into a place where you can do anything you want with your money you can send it to another country you can buy a banana with it or you can um uh buy Bitcoin with it and it's basically he's just describing what Bitcoin is he's describing a digital currency that works like Bitcoin you can do whatever you want with Bitcoin and nobody can stop you that's it and he managed to convince these idiots that um that's something unique to FTX And apparently he did it while on the Zoom call, while he was playing League of Legends on the Zoom call. And this is just such an incredible testament to how fiat money just um, creates so much malinvestment. This is basically Mises laughing down on us from above, saying, you know, this is what inflation does. You end up with idiots like these VC investors who have so much money. They can afford to get swayed by a guy like this because you know it seems like he's real it seems like he's a genius like why would he um you know why would he not be a genius look at him he's talking to us and he's on a video game and he can still talk to us while he's on the video game that guy must be a genius it's like such silly it's so silly that it, it, it it's so banal almost and it's uh evil in a way that uh, the only way that like you know it's 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 when uh, <laughs> Uh I mean this is like um, basic internet pickup artists is that you know you want to pretend not to be attracted to a girl so that she becomes interested in you and like that somehow will work on major investors like if you're just going out there and talking to them and acting like you're not even you don't even care you don't even dress well you don't even comb your hair and you're wearing an ugly t-shirt you don't even care about uh, maintaining your 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 appearance then that's going to give them the impression that you're so smart, you're such a genius, that you don't need them. Well, if you're such so smart and such a genius that you don't need them, then clearly they need you. Then clearly you're better than them. Then clearly you should be investing in them. This is the level of due diligence that these people can do. And the reason they can do it is because easy money. The reason they can do it is that it's a fiat world and people like this get so much easy credit at low interest rate that they end up Uh, sprinkling it on all kinds of stupid nonsense. And um, then they sell it off to other people who also are able to sprinkle uh, easy money on stupid nonsense. And it doesn't always work, but it works enough for them to stay in business, unfortunately. And it works enough for them to continue to finance people like this finally today somebody sent me this tweet apparently from him uh sbf you know i have to mention this um he was posting a thread about the things that he cooks and guess what he eats he eats beyond burgers and he is a vegan and of course you can see that from his uh physical appearance which is absolutely horrific um you can see the impact of this and you can see it in uh, when he's talking like he's he's not an adult uh, who's cogent and who can keep um, and who can speak clearly and who can maintain a, a conversation um he's uh, suffers from serious mental fogs clearly unclear there was another uh um incident uh interview where he was talking and it was just very obvious that he can't string together a full sentence and uh you know if you've seen him he's uh, massively overweight and also overweight in a way that clearly shows um the hormone disturbances um it's clearly you know he's got uh, man boobs and uh, low testosterone and um, that's what happens when you eat this vegan slop it's uh it's terrible for you so that's uh that's where we are right now and now he's just posted a tweet thread saying i'm sorry i made a mistake i thought we weren't leveraged but it turns out that we were whoops and then he denied that there's anything wrong with what alameda research was doing he's just saying no alameda didn't do anything wrong and in a sense he's kind of right because i think this is very common in shitcoin land like he just um, uh, you know he, he pumped the token and then Alameda held the token and they and and then they used the token to borrow against it and now <laughs> we can't really blame him if idiots are gonna lend to him for that and which is why you know some people are saying you should go to jail and I'm kind of skeptical I'm I'm not sure people like him should go to jail I don't think he's done anything wrong and I think if you gave him your money you deserve to lose your money I, I don't think there's a um, there's a case to be made for why um, anybody who gave this guy money deserves to get anything back. I don't know if he's managed to, to take money for himself. I'm not sure if he's going to come out of this rich, rich or not. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to stay rich from this. Um, but I can't really uh, sympathize with anybody who gave money to this. I mean, this is a person who goes on Bloomberg and explains how a Ponzi scheme works. If you chose to invest with him, You have nobody to blame but yourself if you chose to lend to his research arm which showed you as collateral only the token the tokens that he created out of thin air for his stupid exchange you don't deserve to ever have any money in my book i I don't see why you should go you you should he should go to jail and i don't see why you should get any money back i i'm curious what you guys think what do you think about this
2: um, I've just just read um, earlier that they are looking for eight billion dollars in funding, really, to rescue um, or to they need liquidity for FTX before they go under.
0: Yeah, I mean, it should be easy for him. Like <laughs> eight billion dollars is not much. Like,
2: well, you don't know what what his real net worth is now. Yeah, uh, how much was FTX token, which is has lost ninety percent of its value. And, and other things really probably not worth much but 8 billion in funding that they're looking for now which is uh probably a bit more than each of us can can provide at the moment
0: yeah and even people who have eight billion dollars lying around i mean they can at this point they can put them in uh, a fiat bank and uh, get or you know um, now at this point they can get relatively decent interest rates on them why would anybody want to lend this i mean uh, the easy money days are at least temporarily for now they are over so i'm not sure why anybody could uh, lend this to him so there's a huge uh, hole in the balance sheet i'm not sure how this can be fixed chris you want to give us the case that he violated laws so he should go through the legal process what are the laws that he violated here i'm not sure of the exact laws you know but uh i know you can't go around running a Ponzi scheme and promoting it and sucking people in. I'm pretty sure you can't do that. And if you do do that, you expose yourself to criminal and obviously civil penalties, and he should not be exempt from that is really all I'm saying. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not sure that's the case because (laughs) first of all, everybody's running a Ponzi scheme more or less in uh, modern fiat finance and in shitcoin land. So how's this different from all these other shitcoiners who are doing pretty much the same thing? it's difficult for me to um identify clear case i think perhaps the best case for fraud is that he used ftx funds to he he traded with ftx customer funds in order to prop up uh, alameda research perhaps i've heard claims that that's what they did and then uh, he probably in that case yeah he probably broke uh, the rules pertaining to what he can or cannot do with uh, ftx customer money perhaps however I'm not so sure this was the problem because where I stand you know if we follow this uh, chain of events from the collateral behind Alameda research being exposed as just being FTT token you follow this chain of events it's sufficient enough to explain the crash so he ha- I mean from what I see he's he didn't do anything illegal he just found a lot of idiots who gave him money and then uh, other people found out how those idiots gave him money and they decided to take their money out of FTT token and that brought everything crashing down now maybe when the thing came crashing down I guess he might have used customer funds to try and prop up the FTT token perhaps but you know at that point the horses had already left the barn Um, So closing the door wasn't going to bring them back. Or is it the cows that left the barn, I think? Yeah, that's the correct one. Like from what I see here, I don't see anything uh, illegal and I don't see anything, uh, you don't need anything else to explain the crash. See what my point is? The point is that if if I did the same thing and I managed to find idiots to lend me money, and to put money in my exchange, I could recreate the whole thing and I could bring about this same crash and destroy the value in this currency without me having to break any law. I think this is, this is the key thing. So you just create the FTT token. And this is all transparent. Like the people who lent him money at Alameda lent him against the collateral of FTT token. What kind of due diligence they did is fascinating. I guess maybe, maybe what the case is that he didn't have borrowers. He didn't have lenders at Alameda. Maybe he just had the um, customer money. Maybe he was just using customer money and pretending that that was borrowed money. In that case, then, yeah, I guess he would have clearly broken laws and he would have, you know, yeah if that were the case then he wouldn't have been uh then he would have been breaking laws but if he did find lenders to Alameda if somebody looked at the balance sheet and saw FTT token and all these other tokens and said yep here you go take money and go and play with it then I don't know in both cases I don't think anybody any of the depositors deserve to get any of their money back um sounds really cruel to say this um but if they get their money back they're just going to go and put it in the next stupid ponzi scheme anyway and they're gonna lose it like it's not uh, you know th- th- this is the problem with bailing people out is that um, they don't learn their lesson and they just go and they do the same thing all over again so chris has posted something from the new york times basically the quote says that he tried to prop up alameda research nftx trading affiliate with billions in funds from the exchange including customer assets yeah, if that was the case, I guess that would be criminal. But then again, in my mind, I think the way that this uh, corrects itself is uh, by throwing him in jail, is by making people lose their money. I just don't think that that's an effective way. Like if, if he goes to jail, the lesson for everybody who put their money there is that Defy is legit, um, um, staking is legit, ftx as it stood was legit token is tokenizing ftx with an FTT token is legit and if only he hadn't used his money to prop up alameda then everything would have been fine that's the issue i think this is the problem and this is what the fiat system basically encourages because basically i mean what he did is what your central bank and your government are doing except they're doing it you know a monopoly currency what do you think I just can't imagine what's gonna happen when Ethereum comes to roost. <laughs> That's gonna blow
1: up even harder.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for people to be telling me about how nobody could have expected it. It's amazing. Like the, uh, what what I found really interesting was just so many people on uh, so many people on Twitter were just acting completely shocked and surprised that this had happened. I mean, obviously they uh, all of the, all of these people probably lost money, so they're trying to process um how and why they lost so much money but (laughs) like i mean it's a casino Uh, it's 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 a casino that's gambling and they have a trading arm that's out there and they've made billions of dollars out of nowhere and we've already seen what people like this do and like it's a possibility it's the idea that you can't believe that this could happen just is insane like i i understand that you'd lose money that you'd invest that you take a chance on it but the fact that you thought it can't go to zero that it can't be a, that there's no risk involved that this guy can just make billions out there regardless of whatever was happening that you can't possibly not think there is a risk involved it's absolutely mind-blowing for me but of course all of these people are generally um eth enthusiasts like they think ftx was trustworthy cuz you know how could he like if he was if he wasn't trustworthy how do you explain him having all this money this is how these people think like if somebody succeeds then clearly they are doing something right and they're doing everything right
1: I think it's uh, even worse than a casino because, like in a casino, when you go there, you gamble your own money. In this case, you're gambling with your own money, but the house is gambling with your money as well. So that's kind of even worse.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, effectively, you're in guest- You're not investing in a casino, and you're not putting your money in a casino. You're putting your money in a gambler. You're giving your money to a gambler, and yeah, exactly. I don't. I, I don't exactly sympathize with people who do that. Like, you took on a highly risky investment. You put your money with somebody who went from nowhere to thirty billion dollars in a few years. You didn't expect that uh, losing it would be a possibility, and that's that, that's the moral hazard of the idea that uh, we just take this guy and make him scapegoat now and throw him in jail, and then. Um, that's just saying that you know it's only because he he played the game wrong that's where the problem was like it's like telling people the problem was not gambling the problem was that he made a bad call on a particular gamble you know he just on the blackjack or on the roulette he just you know he he made a bad call and because he made that bad call we're gonna throw him in jail no, <laughs> don't put your money in somebody who's yeah, I mean, if you want to take a bad call, you have to understand that a loss is a part of it. I think you can't go to casinos and expect your bad hands to be bailed out. You can't hire somebody to go gamble for you and then have them thrown in jail for the fact that they lost. They're gambling. They can lose or they can win. So I don't know. I don't quite sympathize with um, the idea I think I don't know I mean I could I I could be wrong here I um th- there are th- there is a strong case to be made that there probably was some fraud involved but I don't think the precedent that it uh, I, don't, I don't think it's uh, a good precedent uh
1: Saif I have a question for you uh what do you really? think of this whole uh, proof of reserve audit thing do you think that's something that works
0: or What do you think of it? I don't know. I don't understand the issue technically very well, um, but my favorite accountant is Pierre Rochard. My favorite accountant is Pierre Rochard, and he seems to think that this is a scam, that it's unworkable because um, it can show you assets, but it cannot show you liabilities, and you need to trust uh, the person making it so he argues that the only thing that it does is that it creates the illusion of safety rather than actually making things safe I see his point I'm not entirely confident enough agreeing with it because I just don't understand how the process works very well so I'm not so sure that's the case but you know the best and really only 100 guaranteed effective form of proof of reserves is to hold Bitcoin on your own uh, private keys and to take uh, custody of your private keys and your bitcoins. that's it that's the only way of proof of reserve so for me it, it, it doesn't really matter if exchanges illustrate proof of reserves because I, I my advice to everybody is always just don't keep your money on exchanges I always tell that uh, to people just it, it doesn't matter even if you were using FTX to buy from FTX to buy bitcoin from ftx then you just pick up the bitcoin take it out and store it on your hardware wallet or any kind of uh, security arrangement that you have and that's it it doesn't matter so today you know you shouldn't have any coins on exchanges so that even if you're exchange- engaging in any kind of shenanigans it doesn't matter to you this is what i always tell people this is why bitcoin like if you just want to have money on an exchange then just you know go and try fiat uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's the whole thing I uh, no, obviously Bitcoin is better than fiat and the fact that uh Bitcoin doesn't get inflated and so it uh holds on to its value better over time but in order for that to happen you know you need to take custody because otherwise I mean so many people have lost so much Bitcoin over the years so I, I'm not entirely clear on it but I, I don't particularly care and I'd I'd hate it for um people to promote proof of reserves. And then that creates unwanted confidence in uh, those exchanges and then forces people or makes people feel more comfortable about uh, leaving their coins on exchanges. Just uh, like with everything in Bitcoin, you you need to take personal responsibility. Take the exchange, put them in your coins, and then you don't have to worry about what shenanigans are going on. Oh, so the CPI print was lower than expected? interesting is that why everything is pumping it looks like it yeah I guess so
2: so you need to throw out another tweet really that gets the market down so we get a discount <laughs> <laughs> so you need to notify us next time really tonight I will post this <laughs> and then yeah I mean I think have all ready
0: I think uh, we're, we're uh, we may be getting more discounts like I don't think uh I think a lot of people had uh, exposure to FTX. So I would imagine there's going to be maybe miners, maybe uh, other exchanges. We're going to start seeing uh, problems and liquidations. Who knows? You mean people who, who had their money
2: there and, and now have liqu- liquidity problems or people who are in the token itself or the, the, FTX, the FTT token?
0: Both. So yeah. imagine um, if you had your money there, then now you lose a big chunk of your money that's going to hurt and then you're likely going to be uh, spending buying less going forward people who were expecting to be earning yield from their holdings there people who had lent money to this like all of these other exchanges and crypto lenders who are involved and in lending they lose their capital and they're going to be very careful about it and they're gonna have to sell some of their bitcoin to make ends meet who knows there is a case to be made that we're going to see more and more liquidations like um you know with the celsius thing it wasn't just you know a quick crash and then we bounce back um these things take time so we'll see if you're playing bitcoin for the short run then uh and and now was the time when you were planning on selling then this is uh, a lesson for you to not do that but if you're doing it for the long run then you're just getting uh cheap sats the haters are uh out in full force is a usually a good sign and then uh today there was a thread from coinbase bits about how um they're going to be changing the cpi calculation over the next year So that usually it was made up for the average, the the CPI would look at the price increase over the average of the last two years. Now they're going to be just doing it over the last year. So, um, you know, they're going to get inflation down by just basically you learning to have fun staying poor. And then if that happens, then they can go back to pumping the market. All right, well, this has been uh, fun. I'll see you guys next week.